0: too excited now I'll bust through but amen God is good you know I'm excited about I love my city because how many know God loves our city and I'm also excited about the international luncheon I want to challenge you man make sure that you come and it's going to be an awesome awesome time and we're going to eat some good food amen Amen. but this morning I want to give you some food for thought. are you with me and I'd like to make one more announcement. Next Sunday, we're going to be having our newcomer reception. So if you've been here less than a month or you're brand new, I want you, we're going to meet with you uh, next Sunday morning. We're going to have, after service, we'll have snacks, donuts, coffee, whatever, juice. And we want to meet you. We want to get to know you, and you'll be able to meet the leadership and everything here in the church. Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to the book of Joshua. Chapter 4. And my title this morning, if you're taking notes, what's behind you? What's behind you? Because we we believe that God has given us all a vision. Amen? And the things that we do today will determine what happens in our future. But not only that, it determines what's going to happen after we leave. What's behind you? It'll determine our legacy. So that's why I was so blessed with the youth, because really, they don't have to go through the things that most of us have gone through. They don't have to go through drug addiction and jails and all these different things. So they have an opportunity to work on their legacy at a young age. And I think that's very, very important. Do you have Joshua chapter 4? We're going to begin in verse 20. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you, Until you had crossed over. And as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. See, there's been a saying that Christianity is a generation away from extinction. That if the next generation doesn't catch it, the next generation doesn't get it, it could die. We've seen that happen in churches. Some churches have have ceased to exist. Because the next generation didn't catch the vision of the first. And what we're talking about here is legacy. What's behind you. Now how can this be possible? When we understand that Israel, this was a generation that had seen great, great miracles. They seen great manifestations of the power of God. Signs and wonders. They saw all the plagues in Egypt to set them free. They saw the parting of the Red Sea, and they crossed over, the Bible says, on dry ground. They saw these with their very own eyes. They saw manna in the desert feeding them, water from a rock. The Bible says their clothing, their sandals never wore out for 40 years, wandering around. Not just going up the hill, but keep wandering. Amen. See, they were witnesses to great miracles. And what I want to ask you, and what I want you to understand, see, even our ministry, Victory Outreach, it could be one generation away from extinction. See, we are a generation that if we fail to pass on what we see, what we've experienced, what we've done to the next generation, we could be extinct as well. Why? Because the next generation will be without a witness. It's getting quiet in here. Are you guys with me? You're supposed to be liking this message. No, I'm just kidding. See, because it is our job to leave a witness to the next generation. It is our job to leave a vision for the next generation. It is our job to leave them with a destiny. Are you with me? See, Deuteronomy 32, 20, and he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be. For they are a very forward generation, children in whom is no faith. See, forward in the Hebrew is a word, or perverse in some some, uh, translations, means bent, crooked, or twisted in moral error. In other words, they live by pleasure rather than by purpose. And we see that in our generation today coming up. I mean, look at the news. Crazy stuff is happening. They're living by what feels good. They're living by pleasure rather than purpose. See, we have to understand that God has a destiny. He has a purpose for each and every person in this room here today. I don't care if you're 12 years old or you're 80 years old. It doesn't matter. God has a plan for your life. See, he has a purpose for us. But we can't be that forward generation that says, I would rather live by my feelings I would rather live by my flesh. I would rather live by what feels good than by the purpose that God has for my life. See, this is a feel-good generation. Look at all the stuff on the Internet. It's a feel-good generation. See, Pastor E brought four great sermons out in the last four weeks about dealing with the flesh and, and anger and different things. But this is about the feelings. It's all about the lust of the flesh. And we live by a generation that's stuck on it. They would rather feel good than serve God. Amen. You guys with me, right? Judges chapter 2, verse 10. Maybe that's why I don't preach much. (laughs) I don't know. But I got to tell it like it is. Because this is like it is. I'm thinking about the future. I'm thinking about our legacy here. I'm not thinking about making you feel good, making you like, oh, I feel so good. I can take the world. Yeah, well, I want you to feel that, but I want you to feel in the right way, that God is with you. If God is with you, who could be against you? If you're walking by your purpose and not by pleasure, you're going to get rid of some stuff in your life that you don't need, some stuff that's going to drag you down that you don't need. You're going to begin to walk for God because you need to walk with God, and you're going to understand that. Then you're going to know if God be with you. Who can stand against you? Judges chapter 2, verse 10 says this, And also the, all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor the works which he had done for Israel. Now we learned before that that word new in the Hebrew is yada. That means to have an intimate relationship. It's the same uh, word that is used for even a sexual relationship between a man and a woman. It's the most intimate kind of knowledge. It's almost having the same heartbeat. You know, when you're married for a long time, pretty soon you start thinking like your spouse. They finish your sentences. I hate that. (laughs) But that's the way it is because you know each other. You're intimate with each other. See, that's how God wants to know us. And see, they strayed away from that. They began to get in that feel-good situation thing. They said, you know, it's it's better to go over here and drink. It's better to go over here and dance. It's better to go over here and do this and do that than spend time alone with God. Now, how could this happen to Israel? No one on this earth had ever seen a greater manifestation of the power of God than Israel. Here's the answer. There's only one reason this generation did not know the works of God. No one told them. They were never told. They went through their life and no one ever told them. They didn't know what God expected of them. They didn't know the power that God manifested for them. They didn't know anything. See, there's people on our streets. Why do you think we're doing I love my city? Because we need people to know that Jesus loved them. Jesus died for them. Jesus suffered for them. That he wants to bring them closer to have a Yara relationship. No one told them. They had no memorials. See, memorial, I looked it up. It has a Latin origin. Memorale. Sounds more like Italian when I say it. (laughs) But what it means is a statement of facts statement of facts it's a record it's a memory it's a monument so we have to understand that the things that God did in your life is a fact and when you state it when you testify you tell your children and your children's children you're you're giving them facts you're giving them history this is what really happened see most people think God is a good idea Oh, Jesus is a prophet. But they don't know that he's real. They don't have the facts. See, it's up to us, you and I, to give our children the facts. Our children's children the facts. And the the people that are out there lost and bound, running around, making mistakes and not even knowing the truth, giving them the facts. It's a statement of fact. See, the most important thing we can leave the next generation is a memorial. And that's your testimony. I was there. I saw it. I heard it. I felt it. I saw the miracles. Man, when I was in the Philippines, we saw many miracles. God moved in the miraculous. Remember, we went there. No one heard of victory outreach. Victory what? Victory this, victory that. We had a lot of victory stuff over there but no Victory Outreach. I go, no, we're Victory Outreach. And because they didn't know us, in fact, we first opened up our men's home, we got up to a lot of guys. We had like 70 guys when I was directing in a two bedroom house. Well, apartment actually. So we had Filipinos everywhere. (laughs) We had triple decker beds. And we had an upstairs and downstairs. They were all down the landing. They were sleeping there on the floor, everywhere. Wow. We had them stacked neatly, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we do it. We're like sardinas for you Filipinos. <laughs> <laughs> for my Filipino friends. Right. Pero, But people will come. And they go, what are you doing? They thought we were dealing drugs. Why do you have all those addicts in the house? The cops came over, hey, we want (laughs) to cut. True. Because they're more crooked than the dealers over there. No, no, we're not here with drugs. We're getting them off of drugs. Because God has a plan for their life. We went to the government rehab, which is called Bikutan. Some of you you always know that, Bikutan. We went in there. Who are you guys with? We're victory hour. Nobody knew us. Nobody understood us. They didn't know nothing. And they go, where do you want to minister? I go, give us the worst guys. So they gave us the worst guys. Uh, we went over there, and, man, I had a translator. I starting to preach, right? And then we have a demon-possessed guy in this cage over there, and he started, hey, da, 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 and he even started speaking English because of the demon that was in him. Then I start with the power of Almighty God. I said, shut up. And he fell down. Wow. 300 people got saved because of that miracle. Uh-huh. See, let me tell you something. We are living in a time when God wants to show his miracles, his signs, his wonders. But you got to step out. You gotta yeah. They got to see the facts that God is real. Yeah. Are you with me? He changed lives. Uh-huh. Treasures out of darkness all around the world. We are a worldwide movement. We ain't even slowing down. We are getting stronger and stronger and stronger. See, I saw it. I saw people getting raised up from the home and even from out of this church and taking cities, going across the world, taking cities and nations and countries. That's what we do. I saw it. How can I not share that with the next generation? If we don't tell them, they're not going to believe it. how they get there? I don't know. They started in the home. They got raised up. They went out. Every time I go to the home and speak, that's what I tell them. God has a destiny for your life. He's going to raise you up. You're going to take a city for God's honor and God's glory. I seen it. I heard it. I'm all about it. Come on now. Spiritual memorials. That's what we have to leave. See, we can leave beautiful buildings behind. We can leave a brand new uh, building that we have, even debt free. But let me tell you, that's not what it counts. The most important thing we can leave our children and the next generation and the next generation, should the Lord tarry, is a spiritual, spiritual heritage. A spiritual heritage that yada's got, that trusts God. That doesn't leave, live according to what feels good. You know, I don't care about all that stuff, man. I don't need all these things. I want to I do what God called me to do. I know when I get to heaven, that's where I'm going to be rejoicing. Hallelujah. Just not right now. Because God's still got a He's not done with me yet. Are you with me? So I don't need all these big houses. I don't need all this stuff. I just need to serve God. That's all I need. I'm going to feel good in heaven forever. Amen? Spiritual heritage. Joshua set those 12 stones. In the Hebrew, that means to establish. See, we have to understand that we've been established. Are you with me? I used to make fun of of grandpa and grandpa's old-time religion. I used to call it old-time manna, you know? But that's not true. The truth be told, our generation would be without any witness of the power of God if it wasn't for those that went before us. Yeah. If it wasn't for the Wesleys, David Wilkerson, Nicky Cruz, yeah. Pastor Sonny Argonzoni. Yeah. See, they left a spiritual, established ministry for you and I. Yeah. It's a memorial for our generation. And those that went before us, Pastor Ed, Pastor Dave, and, of course, Pastor Steve. We are sitting here today in the legacy, yeah. the memorial. And just like he, he taught Pastor on the tithe when he was a little kid, he's doing it to his children. See, he's leaving a legacy now. Yeah. They know what to do. They know when to give. They know when to pray. You know the greatest joy I ever had in the Philippines? I was preaching one day, and my daughter, you know, even though she can't move good, she was about, I don't know, three years old. She made the altar call. She came at the altar. She knelt down and raised her hands. First one up at the altar. Memorial. Legacy. That's what we have to leave behind. But See, we're not done. See, now we're building on this legacy. It's just getting started. Are you with me? See, we've got to start thinking about the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. Let's not be selfish. Let's think about the future here. Uh See, we can't live on their experience, but we can learn from it. We can learn from it, and we can build on it. And that's what we are called to do. Are you with me? See, I'm inspired by it. I learned from it. I'm motivated by it. But now it's time to build on it. See, it's in the mind of God that each succeeding generation should experience a greater manifestation of his power than the last generation. See, we see that in the life of Elijah and Elisha. The Bible says that Elijah did many great signs and wonders, but Elisha did twice as many. See, that's how it should be. See, our generation is going to do more, but the next generation is going to do even greater. And the next generation, even greater. And the next generation, even greater. greater. Why? Because that's the way God operates. He's always doing greater things. Greater things shall you do. Amen? See, we have the history of God's faithfulness, His presence, and His power within our ministry. Every succeeding generation should walk with greater exploits. Greater exploits. Our problem is we put God in a box. Oh, God, you can't use me like that, and you can't use me because this is inside my heart. God knows exactly who he called. He doesn't expect you to be perfect. He expects you to be obedient. You're not going to be perfect. None of us are perfect. But let me tell you, he expects obedience, man. When he says move, you move. When he says give, you give. When he says step out, you step out. When he says, go to the rally, go to the rally. Teach the kids, teach the kids, whatever it is. Be obedient to the voice of the Almighty. You know, sometimes we think we need a 10-point plan. God, give me a 10-point plan here, what I should do. He doesn't work that way. He says, step out. (laughs) Step out. He can give you a plan. Do it. He didn't give Abraham a plan. He said, go. Take off. Just go where I'll lead you. And then along the way, he'll lead you. He'll guide you. See, when Israel came out of Egypt and came to the Red Sea, God caused an east wind to blow all night. Then in the morning, they crossed on dry ground. In other words, they saw it before it parted. They seen after it parted. They seen the dry ground. They seen the walls of water. They already saw it. But when Joshua came to the Jordan, God required greater faith. Everybody say greater faith, greater faith. On their part. Why? Because they had a memorial to build on, just like we do. See, we have memorials to build on. See, they had a testimony of God's power. They did not walk in the middle of divided sea. They did not see the way open before them. Nothing happened until their feet touched the water. Are you with me? Are you getting this? See, they didn't see it already. See, the first generation, they saw it, man. God, Moses went whap. you seen the movie, right? <laughs> he went whap, and it parted. And they all crossed. they seen it. But here, God told them just step out, go. Well, wait a minute. I don't see the dry ground. I, I, I don't see. How, how are we going to do it? I don't know how to swim. The water's too deep, it's rushing fast. It's a flood stage. We can't do it. Step out. As soon as they touched it, as soon as they took that step, the waters went. And it was still dry ground. Didn't even have time to make mud. Can you imagine that? See what happens when you learn to step out in faith? That's how God operates. They had to step out. Because what I've learned in my walk of over 20 years, whenever I step out in faith, God meets me right there. He meets me right there. He doesn't give you the whole plan. He doesn't show you the end. He might give you a vision for the end, but every step along the way is different. Sometimes he makes you go over here. Sometimes he makes you step to the side a little here because something's coming. you got to get out of the way. Hello. But he'll meet you right where that step is at. Then he'll say, okay, you did good. Now go this way, son. Okay. Bam. Another step of faith. Yeah, yeah. Then he'll say, okay, okay, you did good on that one. Now I want you to go straight. Okay, Let me go there. Why? Because that's how God operates. He doesn't say if you do this, this, and that, and this, and that. He's not a formula type of God. Yeah. We can't figure him out. That's our problem. We want a lesson plan. We want to know exactly what's going to take place when we get there. It ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. When I was called to the Philippines, I knew nothing. I had never preached behind the pulpit, nothing. I just knew I wanted to be faithful where God had sent me. So I, I did what I had to do. I got a passport. I got a job. Got my ticket. Ready to go. Reality struck when I was on the plane. I'm thinking, where am I going? I'm thinking jungles. I knew nothing about the Philippines, man. It's like... Do they have stores? <laughs> Do they have toilet paper? <laughs> Do they? I didn't know. I had no idea. And the devil started lying to me in the plane. But it was too late. I was already on the plane. I can't say, hey, pull over. I want to get off. <laughs> so I was already on the plane. The devil started lying to me. But then when we landed and I took that step off the plane, I was filled with a peace that surpassed all understanding. You know, I never once got homesick. Never once. I miss people, but I didn't get homesick. Because I was in God's perfect will. That's how you know, man, when you step out and God's, he fills you, he goes, okay, now, let me give you that peace that everybody talks about. Now you're going to experience it. Let me give you that joy that everybody talks. Here it is. Because you're doing what God called you to do. Are you with me? See, Moses stretched out his rod and the waters parted, but not so for Joshua. God required more. And I really believe that God requires more from our generation than the last. Are you with me? See, we have more advantages than the past generation's. In the Philippines, we had a cell phone in the beginning. The thing was like this. Yeah. It was like one of those army walkie-talkies. <laughs> you had to get an extra backpack to put it in. It was so big. But now, look what we got. Everybody's got a cell phone. It's not even a cell phone no more. It's like a computer. Yeah. I mean, you guys, I don't have one like that yet. <laughs> I'm praying. Hey, man, one day. Or <laughs> for my Filipino friends. Isang Arao. <laughs> but we've got more advantages. Our technology. Yeah. Man, we have access to preaching and teaching and even to the world. Yeah. Think about this. We've got computer, iPads. i got everything in here. Ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. I don't have to carry around a bag full of notes anymore. I'm getting too old for that. Hallelujah. We can read the Bible without even turning a page. Click. Click. You don't even have to read it. You can listen to it. What the heck? Man. Now if we can get it to write scriptures, we got something going. But here's the million-dollar question. (laughs) You ready for it? For all we have, what are we leaving behind us? Will we be known as the generation that had everything we wanted but lost what we needed? Will that be our generation? We had everything we wanted, the comforts of life. Computers, man, we got access to everything, the world, at the touch of our fingers. But we will lose what we needed. Look at Psalms 106 with me, beginning in verse 12. Then they believed his words, they sang his praise, they soon forgot his works. I'll say that again, verse 13. They soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. And listen to verse 15. This is crazy. And he gave them their request, but sent leanness to their soul. He sent leanness to their soul. When you look that up in the original, it's talking about malnourished. In other words, they had a malnourished soul. They were sucked up, thin and weak. See, if you look at the Hebrew word there, it's twot, T-W-O-T. It means an illness that causes emaciation. In other words, thin and weak, thin and weak. In other words, they had spiritual anorexia. That is a deadly disease. You guys know about that, right? These girls, they start eating, they puke up because they don't want to gain weight, and they they end up like 70 pounds, 60 pounds. They usually die. And that's what happens to us, man. When When We want to do our own thing. We forget about the power of God. We forget about the works of God. We get spiritual anorexia. We eat the word, and we puke it up. We eat the word, and we puke it up. We eat the word, and we puke it up. We're never nourished. We're never nourished. And we wonder why we struggle, why we're not changing, why we're not doing what God called us to do. Because we forgot about the works of God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing is impossible for my God. See, this was speaking of a generation who got what they wanted but lost what they needed. Exodus 10, 1 and 2 says this, And the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh. For I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants that I might show my signs before him and that you will tell in the ears of your son and of your son's son what things I have done in Egypt and my signs which I have done among them that you may know that I am the Lord. See, here was a generation that had seen the mighty works of God They had seen the plagues in Egypt. They saw how God divided the sea. But they were children at that time. They were little kids. And they saw their fathers and and their grandfathers and their mothers all pass away in the desert. All the old timers were gone. They were dead in the wilderness. But God was not dead. God is not going to die. God is God. And it was their turn now to leave something behind for the next generation. It was their turn. Everybody say it's my turn. My it was their turn to build a memorial for God's power within their lives. Yeah. It was their turn. On, now. now, what kind of memorial are we building for the future generations so they can look and be inspired by and molded? Too much coffee. I usually don't drink coffee. I had a cup this morning. I was like, Ooh. I felt like, I felt like uh, Pastor Toby up here. What are we going to leave that's going to motivate the next generation? Is what I'm trying to say. See, if our generation doesn't get busy and build some memorials for God's power, the next generation is going to be left without a witness. They're going to be left without a witness. They're going to be like the ones that died in the wilderness. We can't have that because Jesus is coming back soon. I don't know the day or the hour, but I know he's coming. And I know when he comes, he's going to take us that are faithful. And it's up to us to let people know that God is not dead. He's alive. And that God has a plan, a purpose for their life. He wants to raise them up out of their poverty, their mentality, and God wants to change things. See, let me tell you something. Joshua built two memorials that day. Everybody say two. One in the middle of the Jordan, standing where it was impossible to stand, doing what was impossible to do. See, remember, the crossing of the Jordan is a symbol of death. That's what it is. It's a symbol of death. Now, the passing of Jordan as a necessary way to the entrance of the land of promise has always been regarded as symbolic to the death of the Christian. In other words, I got to cross the Jordan to get to paradise. Are you with me? Yeah. To get to heaven, you got to cross the Jordan. The Jordan of death. But for us right now, it represents death to self. Death to self. See, if we don't die to self, we will never accomplish our purpose here on this earth. We will never do it. Because we're so caught up in. I want to feel good. I want to serve God, but not all the way. I, I want to go to church, but I'm not going to get involved. You know, I, I want to come to the altar once in a while and get the, you know. Uh, but I don't want to deal with the sin in my life. I don't want to deal with these issues, man. Somebody might look at me. Some of you might see right through me. Oh, we can't see through you. God sees through you. That's the one you got to worry about—not us. We're flesh too. You know that's a misconception that a lot of us have. When I show my sin or I talk about my sin, I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm weak. No, that makes you strong. It makes you strong. See, we're taught even as kids, man, don't show emotion. If you go to jail, especially, don't show no emotion. Wow. I see guys in, in jail, and you, you've all been there and know that. They act tough on the outside, but inside they're crying, dude. Yeah. Inside they're crying. Nobody wants to be in jail. I don't care how bad they act. I don't care how tough they look on the outside. They're crying on the inside. Some of, some of us bring that mentality to church, man. And we come in with a mentality like, I can't show my, I can't lift my hand. I'm not gonna dance. (laughs) Dance? No way. It's not my kind of music, man. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) But if we don't die to that stuff, we'll never leave a godly legacy. We'll keep struggling over and over and over again, dealing with the same issues. Why do you think God allows you to deal with that same issue? Paul calls it a sin that so easily entangles us. Because that's the one we like. And God don't like it. God said, man, I got to get rid of that thing so I can bring you to the next level. Because every time God tries to do something in your life, you bump your head right there. Bam, bam, bam. God said, we want to break through. We want to break through that thing, man, so I can take you to a new level of grace and mercy. I want to show power in your life. I want you to be a testimony for me. I want you to make an impact. I want you to leave a legacy. The second one on the other side was how we got over. See, pass or cross over is a bar in Hebrew. It means to transition, to transition. It has the idea of a transition from one thought to another thought, our thought life. See, after we die to self, we need to transform or transition our mentalities. In other words, no more grasshopper mentality. Are you with me? In other words, man, we begin to act and live on the word of God. When God says, I have given you victory, he's given you victory. He overcame sin, death, and the grave. Hello. We are more than... You're the head and not the yeah. It's time to start walking like that. Start believing like that. Start to get rid of that grasshopper mentality. I can't do nothing, man, because I got issues. Shut up. Everybody that came to church has an issue. Some of us have multiple issues. When I went in the home, I had a tow truck grabbing mine inside. I had all kinds of baggage. Did I get rid of it all? No. God knows that. He knows what he's still dealing with in my life. And he knows what he's dealing with in your life. Amen? Amen. See, they were transitioned to the other side. They were ready. See, these were testimonies of the power and the faithfulness of God and his ability to keep his word. Quickly as I close, I'm going to give you five things that memorials do. Number one, it's a remembrance of what God has done. A remembrance of what God has done. I will never forget what God has done in my life. He did something that no one could do. I could never do myself. I was a dope fiend for 23 years. He, he just took away the urge. Took away the urge. I didn't want to get high no more, I didn't want to use drugs no more. I, I used to quit every time I go to jail. <laughs> and sometimes I wouldn't make it out the parking lot because I couldn't change. I must have quit a thousand times. But see, Jesus set me free. I'm not recovering. I'm set free. I'll never forget when he healed my leg. I'll never forget when he changed things in my life. I should be dead right now. But I'm not. Secondly, memorials stir up gratitude. It stirs up gratitude. See, when you have memorials in your life, man, it makes you grateful. You're grateful for what God is doing and has done within your life, your family, your children. Listen, if you're not grateful to God, something's wrong. You need to make this altar call today. Number three, it challenges our faith. Memorials challenge us. Number four, it instills courage. Man, when you see the courage of others, man, it builds courage in you. And lastly, it gives you clarity of vision. Clarity of vision. See, we have to have the vision of our ministry. That's our legacy. See, to use memorial stones, we're assigned to excite the next generation to hunger for God. To keep them from drowning in darkness. What kind of memorials are you leaving behind? See, you have to keep your own memories of God keen and clear. Keen and clear. Write it down. Write it down. Don't let them crumble like clay, but set as stone for the next generation. See, the 12 men who gathered these memorial stones from the bed of the river, they were not priests. They were men that were chosen to do the job. Let me tell you something right now. You are chosen to pick up a stone. You are chosen. God chose you. It doesn't matter what's happening in your life. It doesn't matter what issues you're still dealing with. You are chosen to pick up a stone. Then you're chosen to place that stone. And then you're chosen to show others how to pick up a stone. Now, what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about rocks. I'm talking about living stones. Living stones. I'm talking about people. Are you with me? You gotta pick up somebody. You gotta place somebody. You gotta show them how to pick up somebody else. It's evangelism. What do you think I love my city's all about? It's about reaching treasures out of darkness. We don't care what church they go to as long as they get saved. It's all about the kingdom. Cold red, same thing. We want to be able to reach these ladies that are in darkness that are bound. We don't care what church they go to. We want them in the kingdom. We gotta build the kingdom of God. It's having a kingdom mentality. It's about people, it's about discipleship. That's it. That's the legacy. See, maybe you're that generation that needs to be stirred up. It's your time. Turn to your neighbor, it's your time. The other side, it's your time. What are you leaving behind you as AJ comes? What are you leaving? What's behind you? What's behind you? It's time to pick somebody up. It's time to pick somebody up. There's people at our jobs, people in our own families that are lost and bound. Everybody has lost and bound in our families. Who's going to reach them if we don't? I know when I get to heaven and I cross that other Jordan, I want to see a lot of folks. That's what's important. I can't bring a house, I can't bring a car, I can't bring a motorcycle, I can't bring none of that stuff. But I could bring you. I could bring other stones that I've collected along the way. That's what it's all about. That's leaving a legacy. What are we leaving behind us? I want every head bowed and every eye closed. I want you to focus on God right now. Jesus left us the ultimate legacy. He paid for it in his blood. That if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. I know it's not easy sometimes, man, to get a hold of God. Sometimes there's dry spells. But that's when God checks our faith. And that's when you got to take a step. Say, you know what? I'm dry right now, God, but I need you. I need to change some things in my life. I want to be transparent. I want to open my heart to you, God. I need to take a step. From all over this place, I want to challenge you. I feel the presence of God right now. I feel the Holy Spirit getting ready to move. He's going to move some stones here, living stones. We are going to leave a great, great legacy. You're part of it. You're part of it. Heavenly Father, we come to you one more time, God. And Lord, I ask that you will speak to our hearts. Let us deal with these issues, Father, that are holding us back from going to the next level of yada with you. For some of us, we, we may, maybe never even experienced a personal relationship with you. Maybe we became curious, we're seeking, we're looking. But what we need is you. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you're here this morning and maybe you need to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ, or maybe you just know about him, you know, you could be going to church for a long time and not even have a relationship with him. And he's saying, I'm here for you. I died for you. I love you. I have a plan, a purpose, a destiny for you. My legacy is your legacy. If that's you this morning, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand real quick. God bless you. God bless you. You put your hands down. Anybody else? Or maybe you're here and you're dealing with some issue in your life. You say, I need to deal with this thing because I want to get closer to God. God bless you. God bless you. Many hands. You can put your hands down. Or maybe you're here today and say, you know what? I want to live my life for my legacy. I want to see my children serving God, my children's children serving God. I want to be the the best I can for God. God bless you. God bless you. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. We're going to sing a song. We're going to worship the Lord here in spirit and in truth. And if you raise your hand, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, you can still come up.